Welcome to Technado. Welcome back to another episode of Technado. I'm your host, Sophie Goodwin. Looking forward to another hour of probably movie references that I won't get and tech news that I that I will get, hopefully. We're going to talk about uh, Apple WWDC, talk about some interesting security news that's been going on this week. And with me, of course, is Don Pazette. He's returning from his short hiatus. Don, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. I survived another trip to Chicago, which shouldn't be a surprise, but strangely is. <laughs> <laughs> I am back uh, and just in time to catch some of the new Apple news that we'll cover. But uh, but there's other stuff in Linux, Microsoft, so on. So we, we got a good show lined up. Well, I'm glad you got out of there unscathed. We also have Daniel Lowry, and usually I'm kind of mean to Daniel when I introduce him. I kind of regret it, but not enough to not do it. So okay, I hi can Daniel. Live with that. Yeah, All you right. get no introduction. Hi Daniel. I'm just sitting here thinking about how statistically, if Don keeps going to Chicago, he will be killed. <laughs> the numbers are not on your side. <laughs> no, they are not. They don't call us Chirac for nothing. <laughs> how often? How often do you have to fly out there? Is it? Is that like a biannual thing or um, semi-annual thing? No, I'm there like quarterly. Yeah. Really. Yeah, you're right. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. He's got two years tops. <laughs> well, people do live there. <laughs> yeah. Not for long. <laughs> but you got the added, like, the statistics of, like, plane crashes and stuff because you're flying there. It's, you know, right. we'll enjoy That's the time true. that we have. You're, you're you. really rolling the dice. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> we'll enjoy the limited time we have with Don, and we'll go ahead and get started with uh, some tech news going on this week. Like I said, we'll talk a little bit about uh, some announcements that came out of Apple WWDC. They announced Mac OS Sonoma. So this article comes from Tom's. Tom's hardware, excuse me. Apple announces Mac OS Sonoma with game mode upgraded widgets and more. So lots of lots of changes coming with this update, but game mode seems to be the most <laughs> like prominent important one. So gamers everywhere are excited, I guess. I guess. So, you know, Apple they they do like the most over the top marketing and promotion of their new products when they come out. And so normally when I when I watch something like WD, WWDC, I've, I've got to I got to filter out all the cruft, right? All the junk that's just marketing garbage that doesn't really count for anything and, and get to the real information. And normally, I'm pretty excited when they announce a new OS. They they got up and they said, Mac OS Sonoma, it's the new version. It's going to be amazing. It's got great new productivity features. Let's talk about gaming mode. <laughs> <laughs> and... The irony. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, you know, the, the gaming scene on a Mac is not very strong because almost everything is emulated in some form or another or ported over. Uh, so it was just a bizarre thing for them to fixate on, but they did. At the end of the day, when you really dig into, hey, I'm a business user, how does all this new announcement stuff, how does it make a difference in my life? There's really just two messages that we got from Apple. So first off is... Mac OS Sonoma has a new cutoff date for supported hardware. Your Mac has to be a 2018 or newer in order to run Sonoma. If you're running anything from 2017 and earlier, I think it was like one exception, but otherwise 2017 and earlier, uh, you're stuck with Ventura. That's the last Mac OS that you're going to get. Now, Ventura is still supported. You'll still get updates for a few years, but the writing's on the wall, right? So if you've got a Mac 2017 or older, you are on the way to... Uh, what's it called? Extinction. Planned obsolescence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing, the other takeaway was that they finally released a new Mac Pro, which is the ridiculously overpriced cheese grater machine. That you can uh, get the nine hundred dollars set of wheels for, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the one that starts at like four thousand dollars and then goes up astronomically. So they they finally finally released one of those with an M series processor, an M two Ultra. So that means they've now replaced 
all of their Intel systems. So Apple is no longer selling Intel systems, and that's that's a big shift. They've completed that migration to their own. So silicon. their CIA, CIA mind control program is really taking stride, I, right? Can tell me you don't think about that? I always think MK say. Ultra. Yes, every time it's the yeah. stinking MK Ultra. I don't. Did you just put it on the side of the thing? I'm glad you said it because I wasn't going to. Yeah. I was thinking it. I wasn't going to say it. Do you do you know MK Ultra? I don't know it personally, but I'm she aware was, of it. She was a part of it. I wasn't present She's when She's a happened, product <laughs> of MKUltra. She's like, I wasn't in the program, but I did LSD. Yeah. Does that count? <laughs> it was totally voluntary. It was, it was yeah. on my own time. Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of it. I know what happened, or I've, I'm aware of what happened. But no, I wasn't like part of the events. I wasn't yeah. present for that, unfortunately. I missed out on that yeah. one. She's just pen pals with Ted Kaczynski. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I, uh, I, all in all, I don't know if either of you guys watched WWDC. I would not blame you for skipping it. Watched um, WWE, but no. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably more exciting. Uh, it it was somewhat underwhelming, uh, and I think it was because they spent so much time talking about the AR VR headset. And I generally don't talk about that stuff on the podcast. And I'm not going to start now because it's pointless and dumb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I can I can hear Lauren crying inside. <laughs> she loves that stuff. Did she yeah. buy one or no? She's oh. not buying one, but like she's heavily invested into VR and AR, uh, like as kind of like a hobby. Uh, it's like a, an area of interest for her. Yeah. 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 Okay. You know, as a hobby or area of interest, that makes sense yeah. for a business or productivity. Pointless. Yeah. Yeah. Pointless. <laughs> I feel like VR. And like as far as you know, gaming headsets and stuff like that, and productivity—they're on opposite ends of the scale. I thought it was interesting that this article talked about like, oh, they're focusing on productivity, and then immediately it was like game mode, and yeah. I'm like, those kind of seem hmm. contradictory. And I never thought of a Mac as like a gaming. I think gaming like on a computer, and I think PC. I do not think Mac at all. Well, yep. maybe they're coming at it from the if we have happy workers because they get to do some gaming, they'll be more productive workers. I think it's more of a. If you tell somebody something enough times, eventually they'll believe it, right? <laughs> like, you know, how many times does Jaguar have to tell you that their car is an engineering marvel and people start to believe it even though they, you they know, break down like a crazy. lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Plagued by electrical or, gremlins. <laughs> or uh, uh, what is it? The Subaru Forester. This is an off-road vehicle when it's you know, really just a sedan with yeah. a <laughs> hatchback. Yeah, it, it's this era's version of a... Of a station wagon, basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that's what we're getting. But anyhow, so um, kind of being pessimistic on this one, but not not a lot of exciting news out of Apple. If you were, if you're one of those Intel holdouts, I guess you know, I got to come up with my message here. Yeah, yeah. So if you're an Intel holdout in the Mac world, just know that your days are numbered. You probably already knew that. And if your Mac is older than 2017, Apple wants you to spend more money. They really like money. Oh, they do actually. Yeah, 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 yeah big fan. <laughs> like that was the tail end of a PSA. Yeah. Like that was the tagline at the, the end more of a TV you know. show. Yeah. The more, I need the rainbow to come yeah. across the screen. Yeah. The more you know. And there was another, I think Tom's hardware talked, they had an article talking about that, that push away from Intel as well. So yep. they did phrase it as like, this is the last of that push to move their product line away from Intel. Monumental for them. I'm really happy for them. Good for you, Apple. Good hey, for you. You know, other vendors are looking at doing the same. Microsoft has been working on their own silicon. Mm. And I think we've do we talk about that on the podcast? Maybe not. We may have like mentioned it. I don't Details, know if we like did a I usually wait until details are a little more solid, so yeah. I, we probably haven't reported on it. But Microsoft is looking at building their own silicon. Who knows what will happen? Yep. Okay. Well, moving away from Apple, because I can tell it puts you guys in a bad mood, we'll <laughs> go ahead and jump into, uh, we have some news in the world of Linux. This comes from a website called OMG Ubuntu, which is new for me. Uh, the article says, all Snap Ubuntu desktop will be available next year, so it won't be the default offering, but it'll be there all the same, and 
the author of the article seems to think like this is an inevitability. It's not really like a surprise. He's like, this is long overdue. This should have been happen- happening a long time ago. All right. I, I have to be careful because otherwise we're going to have to rename this podcast like Don Craps on Everything. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this is an absolute nightmare. This is the crap NATO. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. the perfect storm. So, you know, I, I used to criticize Ubuntu quite a bit because of how bloated the OS was. They had so much stuff jammed in there. Even when you did a small, like a, uh, a slim install, it was still a lot of, of, of cruft. Cruft is the word of the day, I think. Yeah. Uh, a lot of extra just garbage on there. Um, and so for a long time, I was a big Red Hat person. I would run Red Hat Enterprise Linux in commercial environments and CentOS in non-commercial environments. And as Red Hat and CentOS started kind of imploding and doing weird stuff, I ended up shifting over to Ubuntu a couple of years ago for most of my, my workload. So I use it a lot, server, desktop, quite a bit. I have not been a supporter of Snaps. I think I've been pretty vocal about that over the years. <laughs> And Ubuntu is basically, or Canonical, has come out and announced, like, hey, here's our new beta of what this is going to look like in the future. In the future, our desktop is going to be a immutable desktop OS, which is actually kind of cool, right? So your OS is re- uh, read-only, can't write to it. You know, it really reduces the attack surface. That's mm-hmm. awesome. But it achieves that by making all of the apps snap packages. And so, like... When I install Ubuntu right now, the first thing I do is remove Snap. Just get get it out of there, get the Snap daemon out, and and remove anything, and, and then just run my apps natively. That won't be an option in Ubuntu desktops in the future, in, probably in the next couple of years, uh, year and a half to two years. And uh, you know that's that, that's enough to drive me away from Ubuntu as a desktop OS. I don't know where I'll end up yet, but on the server side, they're not doing this. They're not forcing you there, but it's just on the desktop side. So, Don, give me this. Uh, I, I've never used Snap packages. I've always just been an apt person, yeah. right? Makes my life easy. Been doing it for a while. I mean, I can compile from source if I need to, but how is this going to affect my life? Like, tell me, what what is your... What, what do you hate about Snap packages? I, I'm, there's got to be a couple of, like pros to using them yeah all right break it down all right break it down um i want to start general here because this is going to apply to flat pack as well so canonical has backed snaps and so in ubuntu and and ubuntu derivatives you see snaps red hat has backed flat packs and so in rel and fedora and all the other variants of that you're seeing flat packs but they both have the same problem and the idea is Instead of giving you an executable, right? When, when you want to install an app, let's say I want to install Firefox. Right. Instead of just going and getting the install package for Firefox, I instead get a flat pack or I get a snap for it. And they're very different. In a, a install package, you have the binaries and the support documents and all the extra tooling that's needed for that application to run. But then you just have a list, just a straight-up list of all the libraries you need and other software dependencies. So if I install a .deb package, if I install an RPM, there's probably, with Firefox, there's probably like another 100 packages that have to come along with it to, to get that software to run. But the nice part is I might have 15 different apps that all require the same library, and I only have to install the library once. They all define they need it, and when I install them, they pull that one package and install it. And if I update that one library, it's now updated for all 15 apps, right? So it helps us to avoid dependency hell. Like everything's all mapped nice and neat, and it makes security updates nice and simple. I can make sure I'm running the latest version and off I go. 
with snaps and, and with flat packs, they introduce the idea of some basic sandboxing, right? So your your application gets held to a certain area in the file system. That's nice. You get extra security. There's your pro for doing this kind of thing. But the con of it is it can't see the rest of the file system. Mm. And so they have to package all the dependencies in the snap. Now, their argument is, hey, you don't have to worry about dependencies anymore. If you download the snap for Firefox, it has everything it needs right in there. But what they don't tell you is if you have 15 different snaps that all depend on the same library, you now have 15 different copies of that library, and it could be 15 different versions of that library, and you are completely dependent on the application vendors to update those libraries. Firefox might update it tomorrow, right? They're really mm -hmm. good about that. But then I might have GIMP or you know some other application, and it maybe they don't get around to updating that library for a month or two. Right. And I just have to suck that up, right? And so your applications are bloated. They're larger than they should be. And you now have where you've got multiple copies of the same library. Your attack surface is like smaller and bigger all at the same time. And there's not really that big of a benefit. It's easier to install an app. You just install the flat pack. It's one file. You install the snap. It's one file. And then it goes and does its thing. But I wasn't really having a problem installing apps before. So this didn't fix a problem I had. And it just added challenges. Right. Okay. So it just seems like it's trading one set of, uh, I don't want to say problems because they're not necessarily problems, but you know, one set of mm, attributes for another. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way I look at it, uh, uh, who was it? Was it Jay-Z? Who, who said, I got 99 problems, <laughs> but a snap ain't one. Yes. But <laughs> installing, installing apps ain't one of them. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, that's where I am. Yeah. That does <laughs> seem to be the way to go with it, right? Sophie, I bring a lot of value to this stuff, don't I? <laughs> you truly do. I, I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't a reference to Jay-Z. So appreciate that. Which is funny because we, we kind of grew up with Jay-Z. Yeah, I just wasn't expecting it. I tech just... tech entrepreneur Jay Z. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. So he yeah, inspired so me to do it. I know, that's, for sure. <laughs> that's my complaint. Here is, um, you know, Canonical is all about it. They they want they want a good end user experience where when you want to install an app, it's just there and it runs. But man, does it frustrate the hell out of me? Uh, <laughs> an immutable OS, I think, is really cool. That's cool. And I, I feel like there's probably some model where the OS is a snap package. Right, <laughs> I, I right? don't know. But that's not where we are. And you have like a runtime environment for the rest of everything else, right? Yeah. Or, you know, the, the hypervisor model or, or something where yeah. the app, I, I don't know. There, yeah. There's got to be a better way to handle this than snaps. But snaps are what we're getting. The, the author of this article thinks that maybe the emergence of an all-snap desktop uh, could to provide the packaging format with an opportunity to showcase what it can do and, and prove the haters wrong. So, Don, maybe next time that we cover this, maybe you're, you'll be singing a different tune and you'll be like, I've changed my mind. You'll Here's the real question. Phrases. Don, are you going to give it the college try? Are you going to say, you know what, I'm going to install this and I'm going to run it and I'm going to work with it for three months and see if it's like livable. Yeah, yeah, yeah I livable. will. I mean, yeah. um, the Linux Plus certification yeah. and the LPIC stuff, like oh, they, yeah. they're going to update, right? Yeah. They're going to update. They're going to include this. So, you know, got to learn it. Mm -hmm. I think about that. You got to give it a chance. Uh, and, you know, just like I, I, I don't stay with just one distro. You always need yeah. to learn one RHEL variant and one Debian variant. Otherwise, you, you know, you, you just don't know what you're going to land on when you go work somewhere and you've got to support a system. Mm. And on the exams for certifications, you need to know both. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll give it the old college try. I mean, I've, I've messed with snaps before when they were an optional component. 
Uh, wasn't happy. Threw up, wiped your mouth, yeah. and said, okay. <laughs> Took a long, hot shower. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, in this case... Playing that music from the crying game. <laughs> <laughs> when, the, uh, when, the, when the snaps are, are required, that's a whole new world. So yeah. I'll, I'll be curious. I'll, I'll do some performance measurements. And uh, the guys over at Pharonix, that website, they always do a good job. I say the guys. I think it's just one guy. Um, he always does a good job of doing performance metrics mm. and stuff. I'll be curious to see how it goes. Yeah. Well, that started a little pessimistic, but I feel like we ended that article on a positive note. We'll, we'll hope that, that that tune continues. We're going to move on to talking about some stuff going on in the world of Microsoft. This article comes from Windows Central and says, Top 7 Features to Check Out on Windows 11 May 2023 Update, or Moment 3. So are we going to like go through this as like a... No. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the top 7, or are we just going to go over all of them just kind of in general? Yeah. Actually, there were like two in here that were important. i got to find them really quick. Yeah, because most of them are dumb, right? Um <laughs> It did say changes to the settings app, I think, was one of the first things that was mentioned. I, I shouldn't say they're dumb. Let me just say, like, they're most of them... are really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> most of them are non-impactful. Like, oh, in the new Windows 11 update, uh, you'll be able to display seconds on your clock. Somebody somewhere cares about that, but most of us don't, and that's not not significant. But uh, there were a few things that I thought were worthwhile. And, and if you... If you don't know how Windows 11 does their update cycle yet, it's just like in Windows 10, right, where you'd have the every six months a major update comes out that's a feature release. So the next Windows 11 one, they call it the moment update, uh, but basically it is what would be what would be previously considered the H1.23 update, right? So the first half of 2023, this is its update, but the, the code name for it is moment three. And uh, looking at the features as far as significance, like there's more cell phone integration stuff. But one thing that I thought was really cool is Windows 11 is going to give you better information on USB 4 hubs. Oh, and cool. yeah, USB 4, we've talked about this on the, on the podcast. When you look at a USB-C port, it's a mystery what that port can do. Does it do display link? Does it support power delivery? Is it Thunderbolt? Is it... Thunderbolt 3 or 4? Is it USB 3 or 4? Like 3.1, 3.2? It's, it's a mystery. It's it's a USB-C port, and after that, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. Um, so in, in the new version of Windows 11, they're going to be, or the new update to it, uh, they're releasing a new view where you can see USB 4 hubs. So uh, you go into your Bluetooth and devices, and the USB controllers will show up. And when you look at that, it will tell you exactly what your ports are capable of doing. And I think that's awesome. I don't think they should have to do it. I think the ports are unnecessarily confusing. Mm -hmm. But this is a great solution to it. You can actually uh, you know, remove the veil and see <laughs> what the heck is going on with that port to know what it's capable of and what it isn't. I think that's a cool feature. Hey, you think that's just like a... We didn't think to do that kind of thing, and now that everybody's complaining, it's kind of exposed the fact that yeah, this is kind of problematic that I have no idea what I'm dealing with here. So let's just kind of make that easy and add that into the operating system. You think that's probably their mindset? Probably, or or Microsoft looked at this as as a, a way of saying, look, the 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 IEEE or the USB consortium or whatever, they're not going to sort this mess <laughs> out. So maybe we can step in and help to provide some kind of clarity. Nice. Um, you know, it's the best they could do. The other thing that I thought was cool that they added in was the ability to do kernel dumps from applications, from live applications. And hopefully, you never have to deal with kernel dumps. But if you have a misbehaving application and it's doing crazy stuff, then the developer of the application will likely need a kernel dump to be able to see what, what the application was doing when it crashed. Now, 
the way we used to see that was we'd get a blue screen of death. There's the kernel dump. <laughs> and it would dump your RAM to the hard drive. When you rebooted, you could get at it. Um, but that doesn't really help with applications that have just frozen. Right. If you have an application that freezes, the system doesn't do a kernel dump. And so you have to have the debugging tools installed to be able to go and generate that kernel dump, and it's a whole headache. Well, in moment three, you'll be able to go in your task manager and right-click on any process, regardless of whether it's frozen or not, and you can just right-click on it and choose to generate a live kernel dump. And it will write the memory associated with that particular application to disk so you can send it off to a developer and not have to have a blue screen and not have to you know go through all sorts of craziness to get there. I think that's a really cool feature. Yeah, it's a great feature because if you've done any kind of forum troubleshooting, you're looking and you say, you see someone go, can you put the kernel dump in the forum for us, please? <laughs> because that's information we need. I always find it interesting. We're back, you know, back in the day when I worked in a workstation support, people would say, I got an error. I'm like, cool, what did it say? I don't know. <laughs> I closed it. I closed it. <laughs> okay, well, is anything like, is there any more problem? No. Okay, thanks for calling. <laughs> thanks for sharing Appreciate. your story. I didn't know if you needed to know that. So you're you're good then, right? Yeah. Yes. Then I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy if you're happy. Yes. You know, th this is a bit of a new take for Microsoft because in the past they they were kind of like Apple where they they didn't want to admit the crashes happened. Hmm. Crashes never happen. Why would you need to do a kernel dump? That's madness. That's crazy talk. Uh, but lately they've been rolling out some features that are nice to have, like the ability to right click on an application op uh, icon and choose end task. Right? You used to have to go into the task manager to do that, but now you can actually do it from an application icon. Well, here, being able to do a kernel dump. But why would you need to do a kernel dump? That's madness. This never crashes. But we know it does, mm. and now they made it easier to get there. So it's nice to see them let go a little bit and say, hey, crashes happen. Here's some tools to help make it a little easier on you. Nice. Mm. See, I always thought a kernel dump is when you're dating a high-ranking guy in the Army and you just can't deal with him anymore. See, I thought it was so when you, you ate gotta... too much popcorn. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> I was expecting a KFC joke. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> not the direction I was going to take it, but we, we got there oh, anyway, didn't man. we? Uh, I, can always, I can always count on you. People, the listeners there. right now are going, there's the tech NATO I know and love. Uh. Well, we'll give you a little bit of a break from the tech NATO that you know and love. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We will be right back with more security news, so stay tuned for more tech NATO. Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. Welcome back for more TechNado. We're going to be getting into some security news in this half of the show. It's always interesting, the conversations that happen during the break here. I know you don't get to hear them, but man, I wish you did, because I, I unlock a new fear every time. I learned what the word cruft means, so we won't get into all that right now. We'll go ahead and jump into our first article. This comes to us from Bleeping Computer. It says, WordPress force installs critical jetpack patch on 5 million sites. So this, I'm curious, because this kind of seems like maybe it's more in Daniel's wheelhouse as far as to kind of break down what exactly is going on here. 
First of all, what is Jetpack? So Jetpack is an immensely popular, I'm just going to read it right off the screen because they, they did a great job of <laughs> kind of putting it out there. An immensely popular plugin that provides free security, performance, and website management improvements, including site backups, brute force attack protections, secure logins, malware scanning, and more. So obviously this is a good thing, right? We like Jetpack. And since, according to all the sources we could find, <laughs> though Don try as he might to uh, turn this into fake news, that apparently 43% of the web is running on WordPress. So, I mean, for, for years, there has been a statistic thrown about that 40% of the internet runs WordPress, which was true at one point in time. I cannot believe that number is still accurate today, but we, we searched. Don's going to cite some scientific study from... You know, the university Something. of somewhere. I found four <laughs> different places that were clinging to this 43% number. I don't believe it's true, but... What, what, what were these out. places? Like W3 schools and like... Uh, yeah, like, like, you know, some mom and pop, no names. <laughs> <laughs> so either way, a, a huge portion of the internet runs WordPress, See, right? It seems to be. And then, of course, like as the article says, 5 million of these sites use Jetpack. And, of course, they did find a security vulnerability... That is in like one of those, oh no, kind of vulnerabilities. So they said, well, we can fix this. We, we can make it better. So do that. And that's what I, so A, the two things that I thought were really interesting about this article were A, there were 5 million sites that were running Jetpack. When they say it is immensely popular, I believe that that would fall under that rubric if you had a Venn diagram of <laughs> immensely popular, popular, and unpopular. Yes, immensely popular it would fall under. And then the fact that WordPress just said, here comes some security. I, I always find that kind of stuff interesting that they take it upon themselves to, here comes the update. You're getting it whether you like it or not. Not just, hey, that update's available. You should install it. Mm. Yeah. Kind of a thing. And that's really uncommon for WordPress. Like yeah. if you've ever maintained one of these things, Plugins are getting updated like every other day. The the WordPress install itself is getting major updates at least once a month. Mm. And typically, it just bugs you about them. <laughs> it, it doesn't actually do it. Yeah. Um, Nothing like a barking dog at the bottom of your screen going, hey, did you install that? Did you install, yeah. Did you, I've got an update, update. <laughs> And it's annoying about it too. Like it's and, and and when you go to do the update, have you backed up? Yeah. Did you back up? Make yeah. sure you backed up. Because if oh, you didn't back up, are you sure you backed? You're gonna want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it it can be a bit annoying, but in this case, they've shown where they they have a mechanism. This this reminds me of Apple a few months ago, right? Where they yeah. have a mechanism where they can force an update out without your approval, right? Now in this case, it's a good thing. There was a vulnerability. They patched it. Nice that that happened. Uh, you know. Could it have caused problems? Maybe. Yeah. But your problems would be bigger if you had a vulnerable system exposed to the internet. So it, it's good that they did it. I'm wondering if, like, when you install WordPress and Jetpack, does it, in the end user license agreement, maybe there's some wordage in there that says, hey, if we find vulnerabilities that we can fix, we're going to push those and kind of force install that stuff. It's, it's more than likely. In yeah. There. Yeah. Now, the, the fear, I'm going to, Sophie, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to turn this negative. Okay. Uh, <laughs> apparently, that's my secret ability. Right. My, yeah, I know where you're going with this. At least I think I do. So I, let's see if I'm right about this. Uh, did you see the news about Gigabyte, the motherboard manufacturer? Yes. So they put a system on their motherboard, for those of you who haven't heard about it, to where they could push an update to update the firmware, the BIOS, the, you know, whatever other circuitry, the chipset, and so on. Um, so they could update it, and they made it easy. 
right? Easy to do an update, yeah. uh, which means... You also know, known as wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like if updates are easy, you did it wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a fear that attackers could take advantage of that right. to modify your onboard firmware. Well, because it was like a completely insecure like backdoor yeah. to the firmware yep. that anybody could could hijack. So that's the fear with WordPress, that right. if, if they are on 43% of the internet and they can remotely deploy stuff and somebody goes rogue yeah. at WordPress, right? right? Some employee gets bought or, off. God forbid, like some APT makes their way into WordPress. Now we got ourselves a lovely little supply chain. Well, that'd be one hell of a right? article to break, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. Yeah, build a you not get yet. Edward Armuro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry, I'll, I'll I'll make it happen just to win the award. Say, you guys are speaking chaos into existence. <laughs> yeah, I could yeah. I could go next to our what was it our JD Powers Award? <laughs> JD Powers Associates. <laughs> yeah, we had a fake award. The internet's JD in ruin, Power. but we got stuff to talk about yeah. on Tech Nato. So <laughs> that's a, a, I see that as an. We got that win. clickbait fodder, so that, yeah, that's all that yeah. matters. Yeah, <laughs> you know the uh, the Tech Nato website does not use WordPress, so we'd still be up. Booyah! So. What's up? That's yeah. on purpose. We use something weird. I forget what it's called. Don't uh, spend so long before the episode. It's called Joomla. To... <laughs> I mean, that sounds made up. It does kind of sound made up. up. <laughs> I, I thought you were kidding. I thought no, it was Joomla's like a, joke like a real thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. It sounds like something. Now, that Drupal, up. that's made up. <laughs> I wouldn't know. It's that's legit real. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. know. Hadoop. Yeah. Hadoop. Hadoop clusters. Yeah. Well, like a lot of the So apparently, developers just sit around going, Let's just make the craziest name we can think. Yeah, of. yeah. Are they asking the internet? Is that what's happening? <laughs> like when you said "cruft" earlier, I was like, immediately, I was like, I've never, I've, n- I'd never heard that word before. So I immediately was like googling it because I'm like, did he just make that up? Is that like a slang word he threw in there? And I'm gonna get in trouble for looking it up on a work computer because <laughs> it. I just there's so many words that come up that I'm like, that doesn't sound real. So technically, all words are made up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shakespeare, right? If if you want to break it down to brass tacks here, Actually, right? Yeah. Technically speaking, all words Listen, Sophia, I hate to call you out on the carpet in front of everybody like this, but you're a moron. Got a comic book guy <laughs> over a gentleman here, right? And a scholar, and I yeah. don't know. Worst episode. Here's ever. my. <laughs> this made me think of the uh, the guy on The Simpsons. that's the comic book salesman. Yeah. He's like, here is my incredible Hulk melon baller. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, the Hulk is eating, the, and he's like crapping out melon balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the funniest thing I've ever seen on the Simpsons. <laughs> I remember that episode. <laughs> so funny. Oh well, speaking of things that sound like maybe they're made up, we've got. <laughs> I think I think this next article might fall in that category. This article is part of a segment that we like to call <clears throat> "Don't." Don't. I have to try to perfect it every time if I can. I practice on the weekend. Getting really good. Yep. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate that. Yeah, I practice. I, pr- I spend a lot of time practicing that in the mirror. Anyway, so speaking of things that sound like they're made up, this article comes to us from Vice. It says, Maryland license plates now inadvertently advertising Filipino online casino. If that is not a sitcom episode, I don't know what is. So it says there's there's a URL printed on these license plates that were like the, the default license plate that was issued for a couple of years, I think. And... Basically, it's just that it doesn't, the domain is different now, right? It doesn't lead to the same website anymore. It takes you to some some Filipino gambling site, it sounds like. So like many companies and public organizations, Maryland is learning a valuable lesson, which is <laughs> if you buy a domain and you put it somewhere, like and Hollywood does this all the time, right? They buy a domain and they put it in a movie, right? And then you don't renew... <laughs> <laughs> it then becomes available again, right, Don? And someone else can register it, and that's exactly what happened. So Maryland had a custom plate celebrating the War of 1812, which 
I don't really recall, but I think we lost the War of 1812, didn't we? Was that we? the British and the Canadians? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that was a good war. I mean, not that there's a lot of great, yeah. <laughs> great wars. Yeah, I like my wars. Like I, like <laughs> I think they were celebrating the... Uh, uh, oh, my goodness, I'm forgetting the national anthem. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Uh, uh, Andrew Scott Key, the national yeah, anthem. Yeah, the Star-Spangled Banner. The Star-Spangled Banner. Thank yes. you. Well, <laughs> I, I am embarrassed <laughs> like, for forgetting the name of that. Um, where he, he wrote it, you know, because he yes, was watching, watching this battle. Uh, at the bottom of the license plate, he watched it on YouTube. They put www.starspangled200.org. <laughs> 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 so it was the 200th anniversary of the Star Spangled Banner, um, which I guess I could have read right off the screen <laughs> instead of being embarrassed <laughs> for not remembering. Reading's dumb, Don. <laughs> well, true. Apparently, they only bought the domain for two years, and <laughs> after two years, their registration ran up. But the license plates still stick around. They do, <laughs> and for many, many years. Many people have a license plate here in the U.S. for over 10 years, and uh, and now, if you go to, I don't advise you to do this, but if you go to starspangled200.org, you will learn about how if you deposit $100, they will credit you $250. Oh, what side is this? So that you can jump in. <laughs> And gamble today. I like gambling. What's wrong with gambling? <laughs> Especially online. It's the best kind of gambling, man. I have seen this so many times. Uh, and I'm always amused when I watch, like, uh, my kids will be watching a cartoon. Scooby-Doo does this a lot, where they'll talk about a website in the mm. cartoon. And then you go and punch it into a browser, and sure enough, Warner Brothers has bought it. Like, it, it just points to Warner Brothers or whatever. They, they know that people are going to type in those domains, so they buy them and just hold on to them. That makes a lot of sense. But... If they don't renew it over time, these URLs start to point to bad places. We've seen this with QR codes where it's even more damaging. Uh, here it's a, a URL on a license plate. I think it just goes to show that like companies should not be so quick to buy new domains and instead leverage subdomains and subdirectories right. and things that you maintain control over for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. That's a true story right there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Even though there is yeah. subdomain takeovers and, and stuff like that, that still is a thing, but it's definitely the more secure way to go about stuff yeah I, I, so i'm thinking like there there's drive-by malware attacks oh yeah right yeah where if somebody can just come to a website they can get infected but the trick is how do you get people to come to the website yeah. well well I, if we couple this with that in a new dot tar and dot zip thing right oh yeah the dot zip domains yeah, yeah yeah right it was not tar uh dot zip and the other one was uh, dot mp4 mp4 that's or no dot mov was it well, yeah it was yeah, mov, MOV okay, right. gotcha um so you know what would be really interesting here is if you could go to GoDaddy or Cloudflare or somebody who's a DNS registrar that has an API, could you query a list of domains that are about to expire? Right? Mm. I'm pretty certain you can. You know, and now you got me thinking. And when a domain <laughs> expires, it goes into a grace period. And the grace period is, I forget how long, it's like 60 days, not long. Yeah. So could you query a list of domains that are in the grace period? And look for ones that have been receiving traffic. I'm, I'm certain you can do this because I've I've run into like old software applications yeah. where you try and go to their website and now it's you know malware type of squatting whatever. Um, but you know if you want to stage a good attack, yeah, you could build a scraper with Python pretty quickly to do that because, yeah. like you said, it's got API. So you just look in the API, look at how that that um, what it returns to you as far as information. And then see if there's anything that would lead you to think, oh, yeah, this is in a grace period or this is completely an open domain. So go for it. And then, you know, program me some outputs and then automate all that action to create a file of here's a bunch of domains that you can go buy for the low, low price of. 
I have to imagine mm-hmm. somebody's already done this, right? Somebody, oh, I can't see it. Just look in GitHub or something. Somebody's look like, already made Look this. up, like, go to GitHub and look up uh, expired domain scraper. Oh, here we go. Uh, expireddomains.net. <laughs> There's a website for it? Expireddomains.net. 527 <laughs> TLDs supported and rising. You can pull a list of expired domains. And apparently it just gives you a, a random list here. It just spit out 25 for me, but you can query it. It says there are 230,000 domains in the list. So you could find a domain that's expired that, that had some kind of traffic before. Yeah. Um, some of these... Can you yeah. search out, like, like kind of grep it? It's got a search field. What do you want to search for? I don't know. Look up... Microsoft. Some... No, nothing. Well, look oh, up, I like... had to create an account. Ah, uh, uh, see, your you web scraper me. wouldn't need an account. well i I think this is a valid attack vector would this fall under social engineering uh yeah yeah it would totally fall under social engineering so you know another tool in the hacker's toolbox and uh something you have to defend against all it takes is a spreadsheet to keep track of when your domains expire (laughs) and And outlook email reminder right a little reminder on your phone your productivity app or whatever yeah I'm you know, curious how you resolve something like this because there's like 800,000 of these plates that are being used currently and yeah. that that's printed on there. You can't take it off. So what is it just like, sorry. I do know this. Since it's the government, it will have a lot of bureaucracy and cost way too much. No, they're going to move super, super <laughs> fast. No. Yeah. So they, they have a couple options here, right? Option right. one, they could reach out to the casino and buy the domain back. That's true. Right? And a casino is going to want to make some money. And so the state would have to come out with some taxpayer dollars, which they probably won't want to do. It's like the equivalent of paying a rent. Especially since you know they're getting this traffic. Yeah. You know that they know that they're getting this traffic. Option two is to ignore it, which seems like a normal government response, but it's not painful enough. So let me give you what I think will happen. Okay. The state of Maryland will recall these license plates. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so- Like I said, a bunch of bureaucracy and too much money. Yep. And so everybody who has these plates will likely have to get a new one issued, and, and that, that, that's the right thing to do. They can't have this casino advertisement right. driving around. It's not, not going to do. And hopefully next time they will no. not print a URL. Option four, we invade the Philippines. <laughs> we already have, haven't we? <laughs> more. We invade it more. Hot war <laughs> in the Philippines. There's a drone strike on this casino right now. <laughs> The whole point of this, of uh, the URL and like the website in the first place, was to commemorate the anniversary of the War of eighteen twelve. So this, they're just commemorating right. the anniversary with another war. That's, That's right. All. It's the yeah. War of twenty twenty three. Start a new yeah, it war. Doesn't, doesn't quite line out. Yeah, yeah. then roll off the tongue. Like we'll have to workshop it. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I mean, we've already sent troops, but. <laughs> <laughs> We did just announce we're building like four more bases in the Philippines. Are we really? Yeah, it's like crazy militarization. Well, they know they're hearing this conversation. I don't know if you know this, but there's some, some you know, threats to our democracy in that area of the world. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as uh, as someone who was born in the Philippines, I uh, I support Filipino casinos. (laughs) <laughs> Not just Filipino casinos. The Philippines' best betting system. That's right. Best betting system. The best I mean, you register, you deposit 100. Yeah. You get 250. It doesn't say what you get. No, just... Deposit 100, you receive 250. Yeah. This Tickets. is a... <laughs> this is a more caring, thoughtful casino, because if you deposit 100 bucks, they'll give you 250. That's generosity. That right is there. really... If you did deposit 100 chickens <laughs> and get 250 chickens back, you'd still be getting 250 bucks. <laughs> That's. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We'll goodness. move on before I make it worse. I'm sorry. I have to. I feel uncomfortable now. <laughs> okay. I'm doing my best. All right. 
Somebody's got to be funny. <laughs> so, so we'll move on. Uh, that, was, that was an interesting one. You see what I mean, though? It sounds like it's made up, but it's not. It's very real. Uh, this next article comes you from... You sound made up. <laughs> Technically, all people are made up, Daniel. Made up of matter. Anyway, if you want to get... You just I, keep going. No, I, <laughs> man, I'm trying to get through this, all right? So this article is part... This next article is part of a segment called Who Got Pwned? Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! Probably a lot of the people that visited that Star Spangled 200. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about in this article. This See, article now that was funny. <laughs> okay, I'm doing my best. It's a numbers game at this point. I just keep throwing them out. Yeah, Eventually yeah. you'll laugh at something. Something. If they're laughing with me or at me. Who knows? But this article comes to us from Ars Technica, and it says, a Critical Barracuda Zero Day was used to backdoor networks for eight months. So it was patched ten days ago, but before that it was... It was under active exploitation since October 2022, so that kind of sounds like a, a big yikes to me. Absolutely. If you're not familiar with Barracuda, they actually have a good reputation, but they make security devices. And their their flagship product is a email spam and malware detection device. So you set it up as a SMTP smart host, and you set all of your inbound and outbound email to go through your Barracuda appliance. They also make firewalls and other types of things like proxy servers and ad blockers and, and you name it. They make all sorts of stuff. Well, I think it's always particularly embarrassing when it's your security device that gets hacked. And in this case, Barracuda security devices have been compromised. Uh, and this one's a pretty bad one. Like once an attacker is able to, to take advantage of this exploit and get in, they can then use that as a springboard to target your entire internal network. Barracuda devices are designed to be edge devices that actually sit in between the internet and your system. So instead of putting your email server directly on the internet, you put your Barracuda appliance on the internet and your mail server behind it. So now your mail server and other things that were intended to be internal are exposed due to this system being compromised. So if you use a Barracuda email security gateway, you need to do an update right away. Now, where I get concerned on this one is Barracuda has an interesting model. When you buy their hardware, uh, I mean, you can, you can buy it as a virtual machine and run it. That's one thing. But if you buy it as hardware, you pay $10,000, $12,000 for the appliance. And then you have to pay maintenance for updates. But if you stop paying maintenance, the device still works. It just doesn't get updates anymore. And there are many people that, because of the cost, mm. don't pay for the updates. And so they just think the appliance is going to run. Well... If you don't apply the updates, you now effectively have an open door on the internet, which is not a good thing. All right, I'm going to turn this into a tinfoil hat segment. Okay. Because maybe Barracuda is engaged in some shady business. <laughs> and they're like, we'll just put in those. These people that aren't updating give us our money. This is completely just me talking out of my ass, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I do not believe in any way that's... There's no indication that Barracuda is well, engaged in these activities. Right, I, 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 don't, I don't think they're nefarious, but they have made some mistakes before. Have they? A, a long time ago. So I'm, I'm talking probably... So they cleaned up their act. Probably 2010. Okay. I think, maybe yeah, it was a while back. Yeah. A while back. Uh, they had hard-coded admin credentials in their, their uh, appliances for remote support. And so if something went wrong and you called support, support would say, okay, here, I'm going to remote in and yeah, click, 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 thing. and fix all your problems, right? Well, the password got leaked out. And, or it row, got row. found in the source code, or it was embedded in the firmware, or they yeah. pulled it from a software update. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but that was where they had to finally implement a new system where if you were on the phone with support, you had to log into your own appliance and click start a support session 
and it would do a reverse shell and open up a reverse shell mm -hmm. to Barracuda support so they could, could handle it. Uh, it was one of the first services I had seen that did that, but it was in response to them effectively leaking an admin credential. Uh, so they're certainly not... Um, not new on the block as far as having a, a vulnerability like this. And they they have pushed an update out. So if you update your appliance, great. But the the thing that gives them a bit of a black eye here is that this this exploit went undetected for eight months. That's a long time. And for a for a regular business, Daniel, what's the the average time to IOC? It's right around two hundred days. So that's that's right that's there. Right, it's yeah. right, right there. Yep. For a regular company. Yes. But if you're a security company, you would think you'd beat the average. Yeah. I mean, that's that's ideal, right? <laughs> that if if you're going to sell security stuff, the people out there buying it, they want to know that, well, if you get something bad happening to you, how long before you, like, I need to be able to trust you and you beating those averages is a great way to advertise that you're a good security firm. Yeah. If this IT security company is not safe, nobody is safe. Yeah. There's no hope for anybody. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say like it's it's really hard to host your own email servers these days because mm -hmm. it's such a like a juicy target for attackers. They want to get in there. There's so much maintenance that has to happen, and that's why a lot of organizations have moved to Office 365 and G Suite and and all these providers out there that just manage your email for you. It's so much easier just to push that off on someone else. But if you manage your own email servers, you're going to leverage. Uh, Barracuda or like Cisco Ironport or, or something to be able to provide that protection layer on top of it. And to have that get breached like this, that, that's a problem. And to go eight months without being detected, mm. that's that's rough. It was really interesting. I, I, I did end up reading the technical breakdown of like what they discovered and how this worked. And they um, were able to, the flaw was a remote command injection capability or flaw, vulnerability, however you like to say it. And it was with Perl. So I guess, I don't know if it's with Perl or they were using Perl to run commands. But ultimately, the attackers that they have seen in the wild doing this, that that's what they were doing. So you have in uh, Perl, they have this QX function. And if you want to run an operating system command via Perl, so as if I was writing up a Perl script and I needed to call something from the, the shell, I would use I could use QX. That's one of the ways in which you can do it. And you've got a couple of operanders. You just pick whatever you like, actually. It, it kind of leaves it up to you. So if you want to use forward slashes or backslashes or parentheses or brackets or curly braces, it's up to you. Have a good time. But inside of those curly braces or whatever you use, you put ls-la. And it runs that in the system, and that output goes to a variable or whatever. You can reuse it. So that's how they were getting initial access into the system. And then they were dumping malware onto it. And they had three different types of malware that they were seeing. One was called Saltwater, or that they were dubbing Saltwater, which is a Trojanized module that goes after the Barracuda SMTP, uh, contains a backdoor functionality. So it gives them the ability to upload, download uh, files, uh, use proxies, and to send shell commands and uh, work in uh, or give it arguments through the tunnel. Then there was another one called C-Spy. This is an x86 ELF persistent backdoor, another backdoor system, uh, but it did something a little bit different. Mandy had found this one. What was the big deal about this one? Um, oh, it, it basically captures traffic, uh, the network traffic, and looks for interesting pieces of information and utilizes that for their nefarious purposes. And the last one was Seaside, which monitors the, if you're familiar with SMTP, the H-E-L-O and E-H-L-O commands. 
for C2 commands are coming in via that, that system, and it monitors, and if it sees the C2 instructions, then knows to run that and gives them the capabilities for that. They do have Yara rules uh, available. So if you go to Barracuda, they will have IOCs. So the IPs, you can start blocking IPs for C2 traffic, and you can look for the malware files themselves uh, because they have um, MD5 and SHA uh, sums for both of those, or all three of those, should I say, as well as um, uh, Yara rules as well. So you can plug that into any other detection systems that use Yara. You can find these and clear yourself out. Yeah, and one uh, one neat feature of the Barracuda appliance, uh, well, I'm going to call it neat in a minute to see why it might not be, uh, is that, like, let's say you have a Microsoft Exchange server. So you've got an Active Directory, your user accounts are in there, mailboxes are created. The Barracuda device can tap into your Active Directory to fully populate the list of users. And that way, when it receives email, if there's email for addresses that don't exist, it can throw them away before it even makes it to your email server. Mm. Kind of nice, nice, right? Yeah. Or if a user account has been disabled or something, it can prevent that email from coming in because it can read the Active Directory. Well, when you get that configured, what you're supposed to do is create a user account or a service account for the Barracuda appliance that only has read access to the AD to be able to enumerate a list of valid email addresses, and that's it. But let's say you were lazy, and you said, I'll just stick a domain admin in there. That never happens, Don. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, you stick a domain admin in there, and now the Barracuda has not only a connection to your AD server, Ooh. but it's got way more access than it should. Even if it's just a read-only admin, right. once the attacker compromises the Barracuda device, it's now got a valid connection into your AD, and this whole disaster just got even worse. So. Yeah. That shows why it's so important when we configure credentials for appliances like these that they always have the minimum amount of access necessary. Hmm. Yep. Least, what is that? Least privilege principle? Least, least privilege. privilege. You got it. See, I'm picking something up. I'm learning. There I'm you learning. go. I love going through and reading the comments on some of these articles because it's just int- it's stuff that like I don't. They're so snarky about it because <laughs> this is there's just one guy that's like the Pearl motto. There's more than one way to do it. The unofficial addendum. Most of them are stupid, <laughs> and like I just read that, and I'm like, man, this guy. You can tell this guy's fed up. I just love going through and reading the the commentary. It's like you guys, but online. Justin yeah. used to dry heave if you said Pearl. <laughs> Some of this stuff is armchair quarterbacking. You know, it it's, it's easy to sit here and and criticize, but uh, some of it's pretty darn funny. It is. It's at the very <laughs> least, it's entertaining. It is entertaining. Yeah. Which sometimes is, you know, I bet you that's what people say about the podcast. At the very least, yeah. it's entertaining. So with that being said, I do want to mention before we sign off, the Technado is sponsored by ACI Learning, the people behind IT Pro. If you're listening from the Technado website, look for that sponsored by button. You can click that to go to the IT Pro website. If you want to support the podcast, check out those courses. You'll see Don, Daniel, and myself in some of those courses helping you learn about IT, cyber, etc. You can use the promo code TECHNADO30 for a discount on an IT Pro membership. And you can also check out the webinars and live on social events that ACI Learning hosts. Uh, if you miss it live, you can always check the YouTube and LinkedIn channels to watch them back later. We've got one coming up in a couple of months. It's going to be myself and Anthony Sequera. So keep an eye out for that. should be pretty fun. With that being said, is there anything that I am forgetting or any additional commentary or just insulting remarks you want to throw my way? I I know so much opportunity. (laughs) Lawsuit. (laughs) Okay. Well, I guess that's going to wrap it up. Thanks so much for uh, joining me for this conversation, guys. Not that you had a choice. And thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Technado. We'll see you next time.